GM everybody, we're gonna get started. Thanks for joining. Uh, we got a ton of questions today, unlike our previous AMA. So I'm just gonna get right into them and uh, maybe add a few thing or two later on. All right, so first question we have from is from Styx. He asks, can you talk about why arbitrators make up such a high percent of Lifinity volume, if that is still the case, and why they're able to capture that ARB, but Lifinity isn't? Sure. Yeah, so um, our volume can largely be separated into two categories. One is um, uninformed flow, or in other words, mostly retail traders trading against our decks. And the other half is, or not necessarily half, but the, the other partition is ARB trades, where people ARB um, our decks against usually some other decks and atomically make a profit. So... When retail traders trade against us, that's because we offer the best price on Jupiter, and so their volume is routed through us. When ARB traders trade against us, it's because there's a sufficient disparity in price between what Lefinity is quoting and what some other decks is quoting. So why is so much volume ARB volume? Um, that is... Basically, I guess it's a function of two things. One is how much retail volume there is, period. And that, of course, fluctuates. Um, partially on depending on volatility in the current moment, and then partially whether it's a bull or bear market. The more volatility there is, the more retail trading volume there is as well. I I would assume um, when prices are moving, not all, but some retail traders will try to um, ride that wave, so to speak, and trade in the same direction um, as price is moving, expecting it to go higher. Or some retail traders will also take profit as price is moving um, because they don't expect price to keep going in the same direction. Um, yeah. So there's usually more volume from retail traders when there's volatility. And this is also true for arbitrage trades. Um, the more price is moving right now, the greater the chances are that there's going to be a disparity between different venues. So if the price on centralized exchanges where price discovery usually takes place for most assets, um, it's going to move there first, and then DEXs are going to lag behind that. And because Lifinity quotes the uh, centralized exchange price, uh, there's going to be atomic arbitrage opportunities available. Um, yes, yeah, I mean, so it's kind of hard to say <laughs> like why it makes such a high percent. The fact is that there, there just is plenty of times when um, there, there's a great enough price disparity between Lefinity and other DEXs. 
uh, relative to the total retail volume that that exists. Um, it's just the way things are. There's no really like why about it per se. And then uh, why aren't we able to capture that ARB? So to capture arbitrage trades, you need to one, uh, search for opportunities. So you need to detect when there is a price disparity, like when a arbitrage trade is available. And then once you find that, you have to form a transaction and send it to validators so that they can include it on the ledger. So these are two separate things and you need to be good at both of them to um, capture arbitrades. And uh, this is a very competitive space. So to talk about it at a high level, because I am not an expert on this, um, arbitrage trades for Lifinity can be tricky because we determine our price based on an oracle. And that oracle is constantly updating its price. So even if no trades go through our decks, we're constantly changing the price. And so we're, we're kind of a moving target in terms of uh, what price we quote. So, um, so one thing that arbitrage traders on Solana do is, and also because like Solana is so fast, is that they will try to form a arb trade even before they know um, the the uh, the future price. Like they're trying to front run. Um, not front run is probably not the technically correct term. They're trying to anticipate um, changes in price and then make arbitrage trades even before um, the opportunity appears on chain. And it's because it's it's such a competitive space. If they don't do that, they will always be late and other people will already have gotten the arb trades um, and they'll just never get any. So there's this one aspect of anticipation that makes it even more competitive. And then there's the uh, sending your transactions to the validators. This also, I assume it depends on like the quality of your RPC service and maybe not yet, but maybe so, I'm not sure. Like uh, your how close you are to major validators because that will reduce your latency <laughs> and uh, stuff like that. So, so it's, it's like, uh, yeah, this is a very low latency environment. So um, yeah, it's competitive in many ways. So all that to say, why isn't Lifinity able to capture ARB? Well, Lefinity, that's not something Lifinity specializes in capturing our trades, like usually arbitrage traders are, they specialize in that. Maybe they do some other things as well, but I think a lot of them, you know, that's like the thing they work on. However, Lifinity has actually recently begun to try to capture arbitrage trades. Um, this is like a pretty recent development. And, uh, so far, the profit we are able to generate from that is tiny, like on the order of like a few dollars per day or something. Um, that will probably grow a bit, but it probably will not become 
significant either. Um, but we started doing this because we know we have an advantage because we know um, what we will be pricing, what our pool's price will be in the next slot before other people um, will be able to because we're closed source. And so that gives us a slight advantage. So we've been trying to use that and to capture ARBs. And uh, capturing ARBs with Lefinity has a few other benefits. Um, in addition to the profit that it generates, which is the, the purpose for like all other arbitrators. But for us, um, so here's one scenario to illustrate. Suppose there is a uh, arbitrage opportunity between um, wait, hold on. Let me think this through for a second. Yeah, okay, so here's one scenario. There's an arbitrage opportunity between Orca and Phoenix, and it's currently the highest value arbitrage available on Solana. However, there is also an arbitrage opportunity between Orca and Lefinity. But because Phoenix is quoting a a more competitive price than Lefinity, the Orca Phoenix ARB is the most profitable for the arbitrager. However, if we're able to arbitrage between Orca and Lefinity first, even though the ARB value of that is less profitable, it also generates a fee on Lefinity because we're ARBing between Orca and Lefinity. So, um, when you take that into account, and also the fact that through that trade, you're working to rebalance the pool, and that pools our pools generate the most volume when we are balanced, um, it has these two additional benefits. Even though the, the dollar value of the arbitrage will be slightly reduced, these two other benefits will outweigh that. And so... Um, yeah, but the, the only entity that's going to do that arbitrage is Lefinity itself, because everyone else will be like, we'd rather do the Orca Phoenix ARB, because that is a higher value ARB. But if we can do the Orca Lefinity ARB first, then that's more beneficial to Lefinity. So, yeah, and I think there is one more scenario. Let me try to remember it. Give me a second. Never mind, I can't remember it. But uh, yeah, so that's something we've started to work on. Um, yeah, and this is especially good for our sole USDC V2 pool because currently at least it makes up, or m most of its volume is composed of arbitrage trades over 50%. So yeah. Um, so yeah, we're actually starting to work on that, but don't expect like ginormous profits from that or anything. <laughs> but yeah, that also does contribute to the pool's profitability on net. So it's a good thing for sure. All right, moving on to the next question. Sticks asks, can you give a brief history of how Lefinity Dow came into the marinade position? How much was sold 
and plans with the rest. Okay, so we, uh, when was it? Maybe about a year ago or so, we made a proposal to Marinade DAO to um, create a custom Oracle for MSOL and market make for it using our funds on our decks. And in return, they would give us 2 million uh, MNDE tokens, their governance token, and also open up a liquidity gauge for our pool. Uh, the liquidity gauge works by using your MNDE tokens to vote for your pool, and then uh, liquidity mining emissions would go to that pool. So we'd use the MND tokens, lock them, vote for our own pool, and then it would get uh, liquidity mining rewards. That was the deal, and uh, initially it went through. Then uh, we began... Well, actually, uh, so a bunch of other protocols, mainly, competitors in terms of the liquidity mining program, uh, did not like how we would be taking the our MNDE tokens that we receive from liquidity mining, then locking those, and then voting for our pool so that our share of the liquidity mining would continually increase because unlike other protocols which would immediately distribute their MNDE tokens to their um, protocol users, we would keep the MNDE and uh, lock it. So this was like, I mean, I think most of you listening probably know about this, but <laughs> this was like a huge fight. <laughs> it was not pleasant. Um, and yeah, I don't really want to rehash all the arguments and all that. <clears throat> but uh, after all was said and done, our liquidity mining gauge was removed. Um, the deal then came to an end. Uh, we continued to market make for MSOL USDC because it was profitable. And we held the uh, 2 million MNDE tokens that we received um, for the deal. <clears throat> so then uh, some of our community members wanted to uh, sell the MNDE tokens, especially around the time when MNDE listed on centralized exchanges and its price pumped quite a bit. So we held a vote um, for what to do with the MND tokens. I believe there were three options. One was to distribute the tokens to VE Lafinity holders. The other was to hold and use it to um, vote for the other gauges, the validator gauges, so that Marinade would direct some of its staked soul to our Lafinity validator. And then those rewards used however Lafinity DAO sees fit. And then the third option was to sell OTC to some entity who wanted MNDE. Um, yeah, which would be much better than selling it on the market. And then the, the USDC that we get would be added to the Lafinity treasury. So we did this vote and... Um, 
I forgot what percent, maybe it was 40%, something like that, the community decided to distribute. So yeah, a lot of MNDE was distributed to VE Lifinity holders in one month. That month had a very high APR because yeah, the value of the MNDE was not small. And uh, another percentage was voted to sell to be sold via OTC. And I reached out to various entities who were who had shown some signs of interest previously when I had asked about it. Uh, eventually, they all declined to purchase. They didn't even offer any price. So that fell through. And so that portion, as well as the portion that was voted to be kept, is still in our possession. And it's all being used to vote for our validator gauge. Um, so yeah, our validator is earning extra soul staking yield from the MNDE. And uh, there's a governance channel discussing what to do with those extra soul rewards. But as of today, there has still been no conclusion. Actually, people have shown very little interest in discussing this. Um, so the rewards are just sitting there. On the other hand, the rewards are like not huge. So it's like fine. And uh, the rewards are <clears throat> technically staked. So <clears throat> they're also earning soul. So um, and we also have like our treasury's soul that's staked for MSOL. Um, so yeah, rewards are accruing for that stuff. So it's fine that like we haven't decided what to do with it yet, but yeah, that is the current situation. What are the plans to do with the rest of it? Uh, no plans to do anything right now. Just it'll be continued to be used as it is being used currently. Yep. That's the history. For those of you who didn't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question, we have Otto. Oh, I think you uh, changed your name, didn't you? I think you used to be Otto Catalytic or something. Anyways, Otto asks, is the project you were working on three months ago still secret? Yes. So the project is something that we've worked on on and off for a while. And... Uh, yeah, just to reiterate, the reason we don't think it's really worth talking about is we don't want to talk about something if we're not sure that we're going to launch it. And this is something that, while we have worked on it, um, it has not been our focus ever, really. Like, we've never, you know, gone full build mode on this thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're still unsure whether it's going to be viable or not. So it's like in our back pocket type of thing. So, you know, we don't want to create like false hype for something that we're not going to eventually build. So yeah, but yeah. So <laughs> yeah, TLDR, it still is secret. Uh, Tajuma asks when backpack wallet support. So as far as I can tell, like backpack is still not like a super utilized wallet there's not like a ton of people using it um, because a ton of people haven't been asking us for it 
Um, I mean, I think th they're definitely doing unique things, right? With like X NFTs and stuff like that. So I think they will continue to grow. And if they do, we will certainly eventually add support for it. But um, yeah, there's just not, not like a shit ton of demand for it from our user base anyways right now. So it's not like a priority. And a secondary question, is there any use case for Lifinity flares planned apart from regular buybacks? Um, probably not. I mean, like, uh, depends what you mean by use case. You can borrow against your flares. We even provide liquidity. The flare DAO itself provides liquidity for flare holders to borrow against. Um, you can now mint MDS, which is Hataswap's uh, stablecoin, against Lifinity Flares. So there's that. Like, do those things count as use cases? They're basically integrations with other protocols, which I think are definitely useful, but it's not like something we're building. Um, yeah, so we have no plans to like build something new uh, based on Lifinity Flares. Uh, yeah, we're basically just focused on improving our pools. I know we always say this, but this is really what we do. We're still optimizing our pools um, in various ways, and that, we think, is the most value-accretive thing we can do for Flares, as well as Lifinity DAO too, of course. Uh, yeah, so that's our focus. Uh, Tajuma also asks, do you touch enough grass, sir? Uh, I think so. I go for walks. Um, which always feels good. Um, I get some exercise. Uh, when I go on walks, I, I like to look at the, uh, vegetation. Uh, you look closely, there's, you know, so many species. And, uh, makes me think about, like, uh, why is this one shaped like this? Like, what kind of evolutionary advantage did this, did this form give this plant? <laughs> and, I mean, I usually find no answer. I'm sure it's very complex. But I like to pontificate about such things. <laughs> And then, uh, and then, yes, I, I do touch the vegetation <laughs> uh, because they they all they feel they have interesting textures as well. Anyways, maybe I'm taking your question too literally, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I touch my share of grass. Uh, Fred Zerxchs, same question. Have you identified any new chain with the required tech or volume to go multi-chain? Um. And uh, we kind of went, we, we did a back and forth for those who aren't watching the video. Uh, you can read it in our AMA questions channel. But yeah, basically I said, uh, there's no change. Um, uh, yeah, TLDR, I'm gonna read what I wrote at the very end. It's by no means easy to write the code from scratch, make many adjustments to accommodate the new chain's architecture get aggregators to integrate us, and do marketing to a user base who has never even heard of us. 
you will be hard-pressed to find good examples of protocols successfully going cross-chain that isn't EVM to EVM. So, yeah, the bottom line is, like, it's probably not the most value-add thing we can do right now. Again, we're optimizing our pools. <laughs> I'll, I'll repeat this till my voice is hoarse. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the most value-add thing we can do right now. Um, Otto asks, next steps on the treasury merger, as you see it, in order to make progress one way or the other? Yeah, so right now, um, I'm waiting for the next balance sheet update, which is coming within a week. And uh, once we have those updated numbers, I plan to uh, release a new spreadsheet. I think uh, the conversation has moved from Blairdow getting a, a certain percent discount on Lefinity tokens to fixing their dollar-denominated yield. Um, so, so that the amount of VE Lefinity they receive will imply that their dollar-denominated yield will not change. Blair Dow's, that is. It'll, it'll stay the same. So, uh, to put that differently, it will not affect the rate of buybacks or reinvestments at all. That will stay constant. I think that's the simplest form of the deal for everyone to understand, and it's, uh, like, um, it's the most clear way of showing that, like, nobody is getting screwed over, because that's the main question, right, is what's what's the rate of revenue generation and so if if we can keep that constant then it's much easier for everyone to understand of course that's not the only variable there's also the question of um intrinsic value so it's impossible to keep um both of them constant the intrinsic value and the uh the revenue so there's that, and then also Lefinity DAO has sources of revenue that Flare DAO does not have, such as market making as a service. Um, yeah, mainly that right now, and whatever else uh, we get in the future, and also sources of uh, intrinsic value that also Flare DAO does not have, namely the teams funds which would be um, distributed to token holders in the event that Lefinity DAO were to be shut down for whatever reason. So yeah, um, the next sheet I create, I want to consolidate all that information um, so it's easier for people to understand and then uh, yeah we'll resume the discussion once I get all that info out. And uh, yeah, I hope we can make progress. I know we have one member who is very, very unhappy <laughs> with uh, any any proposal I make, unless it is clearly unfavorable to Lefinity Dow, then somehow he seems to be okay with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 
we'll, we'll see how that progresses. All right. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Alfro911 asks, it seems some rushed proposals have led to unintended outcomes. Would you consider adding a minimum time for debate between a proposal being made and a vote? Um, usually, so I'm, I'm actually not sure what proposals you're referring to. Maybe you can clarify. Usually, I wait until discussion dies down and people just aren't posting anymore. Um, or people start asking to put it to a proposal, and then I do so. Um, I think if someone thinks a proposal is rushed, then they should speak up. Um, because when no one's speaking up, that, to me, I'm interpreting that as like implicit... Um, acceptance of how things are going so yeah i mean like we could add you know a minimum time but yeah to me it's like i don't know it, it feels more like an arbitrary rule than something that's like actually accomplishing anything and uh, also it can like slow things down which i mean i guess is the point but sometimes that can work against you right so um yeah if there's like a specific example where you feel i mismanaged the timing of putting a proposal to a vote i'm happy to discuss that and uh make amendments to my inner algorithm <laughs> for when i put proposals to a vote um, but I feel like in general, it's been fine. Um, and that's, I don't know, I, I've never gotten this, uh, this sentiment before from other users that like, uh, we've rushed proposals. I have gotten the feedback that, uh, like, uh, you know what, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. I don't want to go there. All right. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question, but I'm happy to discuss this further. Um, if you have clarifications for like, uh, which proposals you felt were rushed. All right. When soul perps, uh, well, we're not a perp decks, so there's that. Also, there's so many perps dexes. <laughs> on Solana right now. The real question is when are they going to launch tokens because I I don't I don't know what else could juice their volumes. Uh we need a we need a perps dex with good tokenomics. That'd be cool. Anyways, Lord Prince says hi Durden, good morning or GM. I can't believe I said good morning. <laughs> GM just woke up. Market making profit has come up a few times lately. Like you said, it takes manual counting to see how much it is. And we normally just keep it in the pool because it goes up and down. Recently though, we saw a huge anomaly though due to the bot that went crazy and sole USDC gained significant market making profit. 
Is this a good occasion to check if there is spillovers we can use as extra buybacks? What is the team's take on the recent, or I guess the separate question, so I'll stop there. Uh, check if there is spillovers we can use as extra buybacks. Yeah, I mean, so I'm sure there is, given the size of the the luck we experienced there. So I believe we made about 300k from those bad trades the bot was making, which is insane, to say the least. Um, so there certainly is extra cash um, sitting there as MMP. Um, so I should explain how we see this. Basically, MMP is, in a sense, <clears throat> indistinguishable from treasury funds. So, like, in theory, we could just distribute the entire treasury to VE Lafinity holders, right? If we wanted to. Um, I personally do not think that's a good decision because we are, although the pace is like not fast, we are continuing to deploy funds and we don't know how much more we will need. Um, and all else being equal, it's better to have extra funds to deploy when we want to than selling Lefinity at a discount to raise more funds so that we can deploy. When we sell Lefinity at a discount, uh, somebody is benefiting from that discount. And that benefit is coming at the cost of Lefinity DAO because we're selling Lefinity at a discount. So, um, yeah, so all that to say, uh, that's just to say, like, I, I don't think it makes sense to distribute the treasury, although we could, you know, just distribute all the funds. Um, so then there's market making profit, which, you know, its source is different in that it came from the DEX, but, uh, and our trading activity on the DEX rather than like funds raised from the VEIDO or whatever. But <clears throat> now that we have that profit, albeit impermanent, uh, because yeah, it fluctuates, market making profit fluctuates. Um, yeah, but for basically it feels like the same thing to me. Like we have these, we have this USDC to me, like the source is like not really relevant. Um, question is, do you want to distribute or not? And so there might be a counter argument. Okay. Why, why are we distributing trading fees then? That's like the same thing. Why don't we just keep everything according to your logic, Durden? And the difference is that trading fees are not impermanent. Um, whereas market making profit is the trading fees are, can't, they, they can't decrease once you receive trading fees, that's like confirmed revenue. 
Whereas with market making profit, um, yeah, I keep saying this, but uh, it can go down. Um, <clears throat> and so it's nice to have a buffer. So, okay, let's do a another thought experiment. Um, suppose we distribute all market making profit as soon as we receive it. And by the way, calculating this is actually non-trivial. So it's uh, also kind of tedious and takes time on the devs part, unlike trading fees, because trading fees accrue in a separate account. So you can just withdraw from that account directly. But market making profit does not work this way because it's inherent to the LP tokens. So you have to calculate how much is MPP and then uh, withdraw it from the LP tokens. All right, so back to our thought experiment. Um, suppose we distribute all market making profit as soon as we receive it. Then, um, so say in one month we have 10% or maybe I'll just say dollars. Say we have like uh, $1,000 of market making profit from our sole USDC V2 pool and we distribute it. Uh, and then for simplicity, let's say um, on the pools page, it'll show trading fees 500% and market making profit 10%, right? Say we, say we just started that pool and so it's 10%. Now in month two, market making profit on the pools page shows 5%. Trading fees still 500%. What does this mean? This means that we actually had a negative month in terms of market making profit. Um, although MMP is positive, that's that means it's positive on net since the inception of the pool. But if we look at just the past month, we decreased from 10% to 5%, which means actually we lost uh absolute in absolute terms we lost us dollars in terms of market making profit however we last month we distributed the 10% market making profit the $1000 we distributed that to token holders so what does this mean this means that the pool and also we're distributing the trading fees of course so say the pool started with uh like uh what does it have right now like 300k um, what does this mean? Now it means that the pool, and let's say the price of Sol hasn't changed from start. Um, it's back to where it started. This means that the pool now has less than 300k. It has less because the market making profit. We withdrew from the pool more than uh, it has generated in revenue. So that means our pool shrank. Now, this is not good because that means um, our pool is going to be generating less volume than is optimal. Um, now, of course, the team could then just take treasury funds and replenish the, the pool back to 300K. That is, of course, possible. But um, for one thing, that's um, tedious, but also like, like we're not going to be able to do that on a continuous basis but so the, even if we do that like say on a monthly basis that means there's going to be time periods where the pool has less liquidity than is optimal um until we re we replenish it 
So in that sense, it's not great. And that's why, generally speaking, I am much more in favor of like having this buffer of market making profit, um, especially if it's small, um, rather than like withdrawing it every month, because that just adds a lot of complexity. Um, it's a time sink. And yeah, it adds a lot of complexity to optimizing the pools. So generally speaking, I, I, I do not think that's a good idea. I hope that makes sense. That was a long, that was a long, uh, dialogue or monologue, but, um, let's see. I'm going to see if your next comment is related to that. Uh, yeah, it is. Okay, so you say, you said selling selling Lefinity at a discount is not desirable, but we don't sell Lefinity tokens in that case, right? Just the soul we made. No, so I was talking about um, in in the in the hypothetical example where we distributed all our treasury, because the the uh, USDC we have from market making profit and the USDC we have in our treasury is at the end of the day, it's just USDC. So, you know, you could make the argument that, okay, if we're going to distribute our market-making profit, which is just USDC, why shouldn't we also do that with the treasury? You know, there is no, like, clear distinction between them, except that their sources are different. But why should the sources dictate what should be done with it? So anyways, that's why I'm giving this hypothetical example where, okay, given this logic that we should distribute market-making profit, say we do. And then we also do with the li with the treasury because, you know, it's just USDC. Let's just distribute it. So now we have no treasury. Now, say we want to open a new pool. We have no funds to deploy. Therefore, the way we are going to raise funds is, as mentioned in our original tokenomics article, we're going to sell discounted Lefinity to raise that Lefinity so that we can deploy funds into this new pool <clears throat> but we're selling it at a discount which means someone gets to buy lefinity cheaper than the market price which you know if that's the only option we have i think it's absolutely worth it because now we'll have new pools generating revenue and you know whatever discount they got the revenue that we're going to generate from this new pool will be worth it um they get a a one-time discount on a finite amount of Lefinity, whereas we get new funds to deploy in this new pool that will continue generating revenue for however long it remains open. Um, so I think that's a good bet to do. Um, but if we have funds in our treasury where we don't need to sell Lefinity at a discount, that's more desirable because then no one gets to buy this discounted Lefinity. Um, and in that sense, now if anyone wants to buy Lefinity, they have to buy it at the market price, which pushes the price up instead of pushing the price down because they get to buy the discount. And then um, if they wait for the unlock period, at least, they get to sell um, have it after having bought it at a discount. I hope that makes sense. Uh, I'm going to keep reading what you wrote. 
Uh, you say, I do see your point, but from the perspective of me, I would rather see faster buybacks than having a buffer. That's why I am also pro 100% buybacks for flares. Um, yeah, I mean, that's fine to have that perspective, I think. Um, I also understand you don't want to pay out MMP because it goes up and down. In this case, we made 300k extra by luck, which is bizarre. And in my view, a part of that should be distributed. Yeah, so I think like we we probably can make an argument for distributing th this um, or like withdrawing this MMP because it's it's much more than a buffer in this case. So I think that is something we can consider. Uh, I'm mainly speaking for like normalizing the distribution of market making profit because yeah, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, but yeah, for this anomaly, I think it can make sense. <laughs> Oof. All right. I'm going to return to your earlier question that I didn't get to yet. So you ask, what is the team's take on the recent regulatory developments with the SEC? Seoul was targeted. Do we see this as an existential threat? Um, I think... So, like, obviously I'm not a legal expert. But, uh... I think it could be, depending on, like, how it turns out. Like, actually... Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I'm not sure. I am I am so not an expert here, but like let's try to I'm I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to try to imagine the worst case scenario. So, let's say the courts do deem Seoul to be a security. What happens in that case? Uh, let's see. Probably first Solana Foundation or labs or something is fined probably millions of dollars um i don't know how much funds they have but i would assume they would be fined less than what they own so solana would be less well funded price would probably tank because a lot of people would sell um does that mean holding soul would become illegal? I don't think so. Uh, let's see. Would that be the end of like uh, the SEC and other regulatory bodies going after Solana itself as well as projects on Solana? Uh, I don't know. Once you deem Seoul a security, what what does that entail? Would Solana have to register as a security to some U.S. entity? I think it could just continue. Like everything outside the U.S. would continue unaffected. Um, so, I mean, it would certainly suck balls for Solana and Sol and for us. No doubt about that. 
Um, it's, I don't know, it just feels like impossible to evaluate the extent of that. Um, like, I'm sure it would depend on also, like, what what the conclusion would be for other uh, crypto projects. Like, if, if ETH was deemed not a security, but Sol was, like, that would really suck, right? Because <laughs> it, it would mean, like, also more developer mind share would go to Ethereum, and people would be more hesitant to build on Solana. <clears throat> and use Solana as well. But, like... If Sol's a security, AVAX is a security, Ripple's a security, ETH's a security. That's like, that also sucks, but relatively speaking, not as bad, probably. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I hate pontificating on this because like, like I said, I don't think I have, I'm not an expert. I have no idea to be honest um i think it could suck i think it could also be a nothing burger like overall i'm very much not worried because um especially with the most recent developments it just it just appears that like the sec is screwing has like screwed up and their attacks are weak. And it's them against the world, the crypto world. Even TradFi is now like gradually getting on board with crypto in like major ways, namely the ETF by BlackRock. Um, so like, I'm not super worried to be honest. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. I won't I won't waste your time anymore with my my uh my ill-formed thoughts. All right, Sally Jack asks, "How's the core team's mental state? Are they getting bear market fatigued or are they still excited to be working on optimizing Lifinity?" Yeah, we're still very much excited to be working on Lifinity. Um, I hope that was clear from, like, the moment FTX imploded. And, uh, I think we made some announcement, you know, basically just saying, like, hey, we're still here. We're going to continue to build. And, uh, yeah, here we are still today. And, uh, I think we've come a long way from there. Um, there's been a lot of improvements. And, uh, yeah, we, we just plan to... Keep pushing ahead i mean like it it at least feels like the bear market is coming to an end could be wrong can always be more um bad shit happening like imagine if binance is insolvent or something <laughs> that would suck but uh yeah uh yeah we're still we're still enjoying working on Lifinity for sure, so. 
All right, let's see. Lord Prince says, I agree with you, Durden. Maybe we could like determine a threshold for market making profit. If it goes over that amount, then we can say, okay, this is safe to assume to be a structural profit and safe to distribute without having to touch the treasury in the future. In the event, actually, I'll stop here. Um, yeah, we could. I'm, I'm uh, hesitant to make like specific thresholds though, because like, for one, it should be like pool dependent, right? Um, pools have one different amounts of total liquidity and two different amounts of volatility in their market making profit. So like any single number you provide um, is not gonna work for all pools equally. Even if you express it as a percentage, like what if market making profit surpasses this percentage? Even that's not sufficient because um, you also have to take volatility into consideration. Some pools are gonna have much more volatile market making profits and therefore, you know, a 50% MMP for sole USDC V2 is not the same as a 50% market making profit for say like GMT USDC. Um, yeah, so it's hard to give hard thresholds. I think we can just take it on a case by case basis. I mean, to be honest, like this is such an anomaly, this 300K, it's like such a what the fuck event <laughs> that um, I do not really expect it to happen going forward, although certainly not impossible. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't feel like we should be making rules based on this one anomalous event. Uh, continuing with what you wrote, in the event we see market making profit spiking a lot, we could see that as an event to do a manual check. Not too often, of course, because it's consuming your valuable time. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I think, like you say here, like uh, taking it on a case-by-case -case basis probably makes the most sense. So, uh, continuing with what you wrote, so how about governance? Who should initiate the proposal of potentially determining this? Well, any of you listeners? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Well, we have reached the end of the questions, but I can provide some updates or some some alpha, <laughs> some Lefinity alpha. Lefinity alpha time with Durden. All right, so let's see. Actually, one of the things I planned to talk about was the uh, ARBs and how we started doing the ARBs, but I already went over that. Let's see. So another thing is we have begun doing volatility adjusted fees. Some of you will remember that we actually posted an article about this like a year ago. But when we tried to do it back then, it um, did not work very well, um, or we were not able to find a way to make it work very well. Um, and we've begun working on that again, uh, and we're in the beginning stages. But uh, yeah, we we have begun adjusting fees uh, 
more algorithmically rather than like um on a on a much less finer scale manually like we have been doing because we we always have been adjusting fees but it's been totally manually um as we avert, observe the uh market conditions which change very frequently um and that's why it's 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 great to be able to do it more algorithmically because you can ad make adjustments much more faster based on these changing market conditions um and when i say changing market conditions it may not be what you have in mind of course there's like you know um very simplistic um categorizations like bull market bear market but also for us you know it's very important to know like who our competitor our main competitors are uh because that's basically who we're optimizing against so if you remember like back in the day serum was our main competitor and we um were making adjustments to compete with them especially and then after fdx it became orca i think yeah I, I might be off on the timing but at some point orca became the main competitor and then more recently there's been phoenix uh the uh the new order book and then also symmetry which is uh using an oracle i believe yeah so these two players have be have been becoming more competitive recently um by the way don't it's it's not just about like who's the top volume decks on jupiter to know like who who your comp main competitors are uh because orca is going to have many more pools for many more tokens and so they're going to have more total volume but you know the thing we care most about of course is soul usdc and um yeah orca is probably the not is not the the best um, architecture for competitively providing liquidity for competitive pairs like that uh phoenix symmetry and lafinity of course like we have much more customizability for um how we adjust our prices and stuff so um yeah we're going to be able to provide liquidity more competitively with more advanced sophisticated strategies anyways blah 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 um what was i talking about i guess volatility adjusted pool fees um yeah anyways so we've been working on that and that's been going well it will likely improve improve over time we're still in like the first iterations of how to make these adjustments and then um yeah one last thing to talk about is um we are probably going to be creating multiple of the same v2 pools so in other words we're going to create for example another sole usdc v2 pool and this other pool will have for example less liquidity than the current v2 sole usdc pool but higher concentration and this will allow that pool to capture a segment of volume that the current v2 pool 
is not able to capture. Actually, this is kind of similar. Yeah, I should also mention we have come to the conclusion that in fact, it will be best to keep um, our V1 pools, maybe not all of them, but at least some of them, um, that they, they do indeed capture volume that um, V2 pools do not. Um, so we're going to have the V1 solid USDC and then two, at least, uh, V2 solid USDC pools. And in a sense, like they each have their own strategy um, and are capturing different types of trades or traders or however you want to categorize it. Um, yeah, it is just like not possible to make a single pool capture all of that. So... Yeah, that's something we're going to be exploring. Um, yeah, I think that's all from my end. This has been Lefinity Alpha with Durden. Um, any more questions? <laughs> And uh, I guess I'll also mention, like, there are many, many other optimizations that are being made in the background that we decline to talk about to maintain our competitive advantage. Um, I know I say this a lot, but I do just want to say that, like, I am not just saying that. <laughs> there are a lot of things that the devs are doing. Um, that do improve the profitability of our pools. And probably if other protocols knew about it, would make certain adjustments to their um, algorithms. And uh, then our, at least that portion of our competitive advantage would disappear. So it's simply not worth talking about for us. But yeah. There are many changes being made. <clears throat> All right, well, um, it appears that everyone is out of questions. So unless anyone has any last minute questions, I think I'm going to call it. Uh, it's good to do this AMA at a different time once in a while. seems like there's usually more people when I do it um, later at the usual time. But uh, yeah, sometimes I like to mix it up. All right, cool. Well, thanks everyone for joining and asking all the good questions. And uh, I'll... See you around in the Discord. Till next time. Peace out.